Hello, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton. The small towns and communities of Cleveland County, North Carolina have long been a hotbed of music in all its many forms. Several Cleveland County musicians have found commercial success and critical acclaim in the music industry. Yeah, everybody knows the Earl Scruggs, Don Gibson, Patty Loveless, and Alicia Bridges are from Cleveland County. Donald Byrd, too. So this is not a podcast about them. This is a podcast about the musicians who are still here to keep music alive here. This is the stories, and you need to know them and know the people who are making the music. This is not, this is not your normal podcast. Today we're departing from our normal format because music is about communities and it takes a community for musicians to be able to thrive. It takes listeners, it takes club owners, it takes people to preserve their music for generations to come. All of these make up a music community. And today, we're going to the Old Scruggs Center and talk to the director, Mary Beth Martin. from our usual format of interviewing musicians, and we're going to interview one of the many people who make up a musical community. My guest today is Mary Beth Martin, Executive Director of the Earl Scruggs Center. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Now, explain to me what an Executive Director of the Earl Scruggs Center does. Well, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Well, um, so I drive the strategy for the Earl Scruggs Center, um, plan programs, help with planning exhibits, marketing the center, fundraising for the center. Oh, That's really big. important. It is very important. Um, sometimes I pick up trash. Okay, that's good <laughs> so, enough. You know, just a little bit of everything. Being the executive director truly means that I have to make everything go. Well, I'm sure that you do, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that's a big part of it. That being said, how much a part of this includes music, either live or, I mean, I, I see that you have musical events. Yeah, so. so everything we do is a celebration of music and the musical heritage of this area, which is what you're doing right. too. Um, you know, this year, 2019, Governor Roy Cooper yeah. declared 2019 is the year of music in the state of North Carolina. I didn't know that. That's a good That's right. So when I learned that, I learned that back in November of 2018, and so we started 
talking about what are we going to do to celebrate this year of music and I stopped and I said what do you mean what are we going to do that's what we do all the all time, time. Yeah. we celebrate music all the time in fact our current special exhibit that'll be open through the end of the year is a celebration of North Carolina music yes, photography of North Carolina yeah. musicians so music is is about everything we do is about music and right. the celebration of music and how it has contributed to the culture to the traditions and to the heritage of this area so you know we often have concerts small mm -hmm. concerts here mm -hmm. we like to give people a look at artists that they might not see mm -hmm. elsewhere like for example we had a um a japanese guitarist yes I'm back sorry. in august mm -hmm. um doesn't play around this area very often right. he's a finger picking champion yes um so we try to offer things like that from bluegrass to you know country to every a little bit of everything i'm glad you're saying it because I don't think people understand really what goes on here. They think it is a museum dedicated to Earl Scruggs, and that's it. Yeah. You know, it's a one one trip through. You've seen it all. They don't realize that there's a whole culture going on. Yeah. Here. So not only is it a museum dedicated to the life and legacy of Earl right. Scruggs, we certainly tell that really important story, but we tell it because it is so interwoven with the story of this community. True, it is and how this community's history and, and influence in this community shaped Earl and what he became to be. And so that's, that's really an important part of what we do or is actually this, the central thing that we do. One of the things I don't even think people realize is there's, there is a portion dedicated to the Washington Sound, David right. Lee and the Washington Sound, which most people do not know of. And even when they come to the, to the museum, you know, I don't think that they still realize. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a big part of the music that was here, too. Yeah, so that was, un let me tell you how that was uncovered. I would love to. So back before the Earl Scruggs Center opened, um, a group of volunteers worked with some folks from UNC mm -hmm. to complete an oral history project. So some trained graduate students came to the community and worked with our volunteers to teach them how to interview people. Okay. And so they were looking at... Dang, I should have come to that. Oh, oh go ahead. <laughs> So they were, they were looking at people in four different categories or finding stories in the community. That was the whole purpose. Tell the story of this community, of this region, of this county. And so they were looking at folks from the textile industry. Mm -hmm. Let's tell that textile story. That's right. been really important in this community. Agriculture, yes, obviously. Music, yes. you know, no question. That's what we're all about here. Mm -hmm. And then the, old, the untold African-American story. So they went out and they interviewed 115 people in this community and David Lee's story came out really? and really brought it to light, uncovered it. Yeah. There were some people who knew the yeah. David Lee story and knew about the Washington Sound, but not everyone did. Not, an, people, not many people not did. Not very many people knew. Yeah, and so through that oral history project, um, that story was uncovered and they thought it was such a significant story that they wanted to have an exhibit dedicated to it here in the Scruggs Center. Um, and so what we try to do with the other interviews is we cycle them right. through the center where we take out three-minute excerpts good, where you can yeah. come into the center. They change periodically, so they something do. to come in there and, and listen the to. And, and that's right. That's right. Come check out the new things. Um, and so we try to highlight people all across the community. Some of them are gone. Oh, yeah. You know, so we're so glad we have these stories recorded. Um, and then you can also access them here at the center and then hopefully before too long online. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. 
see people do I don't think anybody realizes any of this stuff goes on yeah and and when you're in the Earl Scruggs Center do check out uh, the Washington Sound portion of it you'll be glad you did yeah yeah all right so I see you have teaching going on here I see uh, Justin Harper yeah. is here with his eclectic take on music to teach people it's really good yeah so um Earlier this year, we received a grant from the Dover Foundation, mm -hmm. and um, we had the idea of launching a music program for children right. and to make it free, you know, to yeah. remove. Oh, yeah. There are so many kids in the community that are interested in music, but there's a barrier to participation, is. is that it cost? Is. It is. And so we wanted to remove that barrier. And so what we decided to do, instead of focusing on something specific like banjo lessons for right. kids or yeah. or you know something specific we wanted to offer a very broad music program that offers just different things so a kid who comes might find something interesting this time maybe the next time not and they might kind of discover their passion in music yeah. hopefully yeah and so we're working with and so this program happens monthly and it's free and um justin harper is one of the instructors and yes. so the next program he's going to do is group singing. I saw that. And then he's going to do um, the one I'm really excited about in November is about different instruments and cultures across the world. Oh, yeah, that's good. He's really good with world music. and That's right. I mean, he, he, he is actually a musicologist beside being a really fine musician. Yeah. And then we've also worked with a group out of Forest City called Wild Roots Fine Arts. And they do, they do a lot of classical training and things like that. And so they've come down and they've done some introduction to string instruments right. later they're going to do some music for toddlers oh, so it's yeah. about kind of experimenting with rhythm and with dancing sure. and with singing and things like that and so um and there'll be something for all age groups by the end of the program oh that's that is really good yeah i mean i did people don't know i don't think that that goes on either i and i'm not saying you guys do a bad job of advertising this i think that it's just something that people miss yeah caught up in their day yeah, we try to get information out. Um, we have found social media, of course, to be a, a good way to get the social word out. Social media is a good way these days to get just about anything right. out. But, but then also we do, you know, the traditional, you know, method of putting it in the paper, putting right. it in the Shelby Shopper. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, WOHS has yes. been really helpful in helping us get information out, too. So. That's good. But people have to be listening for it, have they to do, take the time to do. listen for yeah. it. So. Yeah. Well, well, there's a lot of stuff. There is a lot of stuff going on here. So what else is going on here? Well, um, so like I, I think I mentioned that the exhibit that just opened yeah. at the end of September about... Fabulous, fabulous uh, pictures. Yeah, thank you. Well, the photographer um, whose work we're exhibiting is Daniel Costin. Mm -hmm. He's been taking photos of musicians primarily for... 25 plus years yeah, and some great pictures in there and he has he just always ends up in the right place to take these great photos and so you know some of the really cool photos in that exhibit are, are um, of folks like the Avett brothers and the Carolina chocolate drops mm -hmm. at the beginning of their career before anyone right. knew who they were exactly. you know he found himself in you know that kitchen where they're practicing mm -hmm. or in the living room of the Carolina chocolate drops right. mentor you know, things like that. And then you also have those kind of iconic photos of Earl Scruggs and Doc Watson together or of James Taylor or, you know, any of these other musicians. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're telling people what the pictures are so that 
you know, that will encourage them to want to come see them too. Yeah, um, and, and it covers all genres. It is not, like you said, often people think, oh, it's just bluegrass, bluegrass. at the Earl Scruggs Center. No, um, Earl was known for appreciating, playing, and collaborating with musicians of all genres. I agree. We go to the, the prime example is the Will the Circle being mm -hmm. broken album. I mean, that was kind of the start of the merging of the, of the musical styles. Yeah. And I think a lot of that had to do with having a set of sons that also had new interest in music outside of bluegrass, but Earl had the open mind to do that. Oh yeah, you know, there's a quote that we have down in the museum where, and it's also in our intro videos where Earl says, if I see a light shining farther out, I wanna go to it. I didn't quote him exactly, but yeah. basically what he was saying is that he always wants to pursue new things, that he never wanted to quit changing and evolving and really innovating as a musician. And, and that's what I think is so striking about Earl. You know, not only was he a fabulous banjo player and bluegrass musician, but he was an artist. He was. And he was always changing. He was always experimenting. And, and in a way, it's I my think, favorite thing about him, actually. And, and in a way, I think that's such an incredible reflection on this community. I agree. Because the people in this community are the same way. They are. The the varied music scene here is, mm -hmm. you. I, the whole premise of this podcast is, there's good musicians working and living and playing here now as there is anywhere. And it covers not just bluegrass, it covers every genre you can think of. Yeah. Which is why Every we Every culture you can think of. That's right. Which is why we want to offer all these things here at the Scruggs Center because I truly believe that's what Earl would have wanted. I, I truly believe you're right. <laughs> so, so wow, that's good. Yeah. So we've got some other things coming up. Um, you know, of course, we have a huge slate of programs, you know, through the end of the year and beyond. And you can always visit our website exactly. to, to see those. And, and what would that website be? www.earlscruggscenter.org. And so we always have our events listed. Um, in December, we have a dinner and a concert with a band called Cane Mill Road. I don't know if you're familiar I, with them, I, but they're a young bluegrass band. Um, they're this year's IBMA Momentum Award winners. Just a great group of young musicians. And so they're coming in December to do a special event here. And then, really exciting, at IBMA a few weeks ago in September. Yeah, let's talk about IBMA. We'll okay. do this part and then we'll okay. talk about IBMA. Okay, so we announced the inaugural Earl Scruggs Music Festival, which we are really excited that about. That is really this. exciting. Yeah. And where will this be? So it will be held at the Trine International Equestrian Center September 4th and 5th of 2020. Wow. So Labor Day weekend, the Friday and Saturday of that weekend, and we have made our initial lineup announcement, which is I've, really exciting. I have seen it, but if you want to plug any of it, go right Sure, ahead. sure. So our host artist for the weekend will be Jerry, none other than Jerry Douglas. And, you know, all these artists that, were, that we have chosen or that we've booked for the festival have been very intentional. So Jerry Douglas is a perfect host for he this is. because of his love and appreciation of Earl's music. True. I mean, he's in the band Earls of Leicester, yes, which is a tribute is. to Earl yes, and is. the music of Flatt and Scruggs. And then um, I've heard Jerry say that if it were not for Earl Scruggs, I think the quote is, he would be pumping gas at a gas station, that Earl really encouraged him to play music and mentored him. Plus, he's such a neat guy. And he's such a neat <laughs> yeah, guy. He is. But um, 
So we've got other artists lined up. Dom Flemons. Yeah, Dom you know, with, from, from Carolina, Carolina Chocolate mm -hmm. Drops. We're getting ready to announce a few others that are very exciting, so I can't say it oh, yet. That's good. No, but no. Um, also Marty Stewart sure. and Darren and Brooke Aldridge, sure. who we all know and love around here. And Dan, plus she just was the IBMA. Three time female vocalist. Three times of the in year, a row. Yep. So. so that's really good. Too. So we have a really exciting lineup, and all those artists are also available on our website. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And so, and then also we'll be announcing more. We'll have about 20 artists would by you, the time. Would you like to go into the IBMA? Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, that's the International Bluegrass Music. Association. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you just came back from there. Yeah, I just got back from IBMA. It was a whirlwind week. Um, it's really, and this, this was my second time at IBMA. The first time I went last year, I'd been on this job for about a week. So it... I really didn't know what was going on or what I was doing. But this week, or this time I went, it was it was amazing. So not only did I go to the business conference where folks who are in the music- Got to do some work. <laughs> got to do some work. So there are folks who come from all over the country and really internationally who are in the music industry right. and who care about bluegrass or bigger tent Americana right. music. I understand. Um, folks who are with record labels, who are publicists, who are managers, agents, musicians themselves. Well, that's another thing that people, they don't realize the whole scope of yeah. music. Yeah. It's not just picking up a guitar and playing or a banjo. It takes a community. I mean, it that's, does. That's right. And in learning how many moving parts there are on an artist team is, is just amazing. It is amazing. And so you go to the business conference and it's just a great opportunity for me or someone like me to make those kind of connections, connections mm -hmm. all across the country. And so I've met tons of people who I can use those relationships to bring really awesome programs right. to the Scruggs right. Center in the future. Um, so there's that. And then there's also the exhibit hall mm -hmm. where different, you know, museums like us right. or businesses, string companies, mm -hmm. instrument companies, sure. bands, you know, they have a booth because they're trying to promote just yeah. to the general public who and what they are. So that was really neat because through that, you know, thousands of people came through that exhibit hall and we got to tell every one of them about the Earl Scruggs Center and about the music oh, festival. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yes, and then it's also just a great gathering of music lovers. And so throughout the week at IBMA, there are music showcases all across the city of Raleigh. Mm -hmm. There's a totally free street festival. Mm -hmm. The major concerts are free. It's, it's just a really great gathering. And actually, Raleigh has done really well with embracing that. I had been when it had been in Owensburg, Kentucky, which mm -hmm. is, uh, this is totally different in Raleigh than it was in Owensburg. Well, I've never been to Owensburg, but I've made some good friends there at the Bluegrass Museum right. and Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. But um, from what I understand, Raleigh, like you said, has totally embraced yeah, the I IBMA. From, I understand that when it was in Nashville, that you know the bluegrass music scene was a small part of the music scene in Nashville. In Raleigh, it is a big deal. They rolled out the red carpet for IBMA, and it's and I really feel like they found a home in Raleigh. That's good. Which I'm, I'm excited because I love Raleigh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why do you love Raleigh? Because <laughs> I went to NC State. Go Pack. I have a daughter and a grandson that goes, <laughs> who goes still there now. Yeah. So, plus, plus uh, does your husband not have a bluegrass connection to Raleigh in some form? Yeah. So, <laughs> so my husband Jackson is also a musician, not professionally, but um, he is an incredible musician who can play various styles of music. And... 
Um, he also went to NC State. We did not meet there. Okay. But when he was there, he had a little bluegrass band. And in fact, there's a kind of a funny story about that. When I moved here, I graduated from NC State two years after he did. And so he was already teaching at Shelby High School when I moved here to work at Gardner-Webb. And, you know, through some connections, we met. I found out that I actually saw his bluegrass band oh, play really? while I was oh, in Raleigh. Yeah, I didn't remember him at all. I, I remember think... the lead singer. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> but I don't. I don't remember him. Was, it, was, was he? He was playing, I guess, a fiddle. He was he playing not... a fiddle. Yeah, but I remember oh. the little lead singer because yeah. he was. I don't know. He wore a so hat. Everybody, and memorable. Everybody yeah. remembers singers. Nobody remembers the other musicians. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, people remember the banjo player. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Earl Plug. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we have a lot of connections to Raleigh, and it's a it's a place that I love and really appreciate. So, and I really appreciate what they've done for IBMA. It's, you know, and IBMA enhances Raleigh too. Who, life in Raleigh. All right. Who did you who of the live music you saw, what did you like best? Who who was your favorite? Oh man, so this is hard because it's a lot. I know it's lot. hard. I didn't mean for it to be. Uh, easy. I know. <laughs> well, so um, well, I, I did get to see Jerry Douglas, yeah. and and he's always wonderful. And now that I've met him, so I have to say this before I tell you about my favorite live musicians. While we were in Raleigh, we also held a press conference to do a formal announcement for the right, Earl Scruggs right. Music Festival, right. and. Um, Jerry actually made the lineup announcement for us. Oh, that's great. So he's all, he's on board. So now that I've met him, I mean, I've appreciated and loved his music. But when you know the person, and that's what's so cool about Bluegrass is that it's accessible. Yeah, yeah. The artists are accessible. Um, but now that I know him, I just appreciate his music that much more. No, it makes a difference. But I got to see I'm With Her, which is kind yeah. of the female super group right, right now with mm -hmm. Sarah Jarose and Sarah Watkins right. and Aoife Donovan. Fabulous were, musicians. Oh, my fabulous musicians, all three of them. The fabulous harmonies. singers, yeah. The harmonies are incredible. I agree. Um, it, it was truly a treat to get to see them because I don't know what their plan is, but they are one of these super groups that probably have some planned out lifespan. Probably you know what I mean? Do. They're oh, not yeah, They're I not going to play together forever. Like, exactly uh, the country version, the High Women now. Uh, yes, like the High Women with Maren yeah, Morris and Brandy exactly. Carlisle. It's, yep. it's, it's the bluegrass version of that. Of that, yep. And they were incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. They're incredible musicians. Incredible. Um, I got to see a tribute to Del McCurry. And Man. who doesn't love Del McCurry? <laughs> I mean, he's great. Yeah. Um, but some of Some would say an acquired taste, but... Yeah, but, man, once you acquire <laughs> well, it, though, it's good. As nice a guy as you'll ever want to meet, yeah. Dale is. So. That was a neat thing. And he had tons of guests playing with them, um, including Jerry. And Darkus Bentley was yeah, there playing. I saw it, it, was, it was great. Um, so I got to see a band. I'd heard of them before, but had never seen them live. Was Hank Patty and the Current? Don't know them. They were That's great. Good. Check them out. Right. Um, a band that will be at the Earl Scruggs Music Festival. I got to see live for the first time. The Barefoot Movement. Yeah, I do. I am aware of them. Yeah, yeah. they will knock your socks yeah, off. Yeah, they're pretty good. They are great. Yeah. Um, same with the bluegrass band, the Slocan Ramblers. I, know, I do know who they yeah, are. Yeah, they're yeah. great. They just played down at a Albino Skunk Festival. Yeah, they did. They, they were good. Um, you ever been to the Albino Skunk? I've never been to the Albino Skunk, but it sounds interesting. It is interesting, <laughs> But then, of course, Festival. I, got to I, got see, to <laughs> I got to see a couple sets um, from Darren and Brooke, yeah. and they played a lot of their new music, and their sound is so good. Yeah, it is. So good. I got to see a, a small kind of private show with them, and it was great. 
But then um, one of their larger shows at the Capitol stage, I think it's the Capitol stage, Plaza stage, I mean, they had the full-on country sound, right. and I, I can see them in Nashville. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it, it, was, it was great. So. I mean, they do. They, it's a bluegrass tradition to make that mm -hmm. uh, move up. I mean, Keith Whitley, Ricky Skaggs, of course, they all came back to bluegrass. Yeah. But, but Marty still, Stewart. Marty Stewart, yeah. 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 So it is, it is a natural... Progression. progression yeah yeah. It is, so. yeah but you could tell where their roots are and, wh and what they love um but they're just fabulous musicians and just really good people so it's always a treat to see also, them i think the money goes up when you make that move too probably you know <laughs> no i can't problem. say that i know <laughs> but i'm telling probably. you i know <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so lots of good music at ibma if you're a music lover you have to go absolutely have to go all right that's good um the next thing I'm going to ask you, is it hard to raise funds for, for the Earl Scruggs Center? Is that a hard? It, it is. Um, I think in general, raising money for the arts, which that's, we're kind of considered an arts yeah. community is, organization, yeah. um, raising money for this type of organization is not as easy as some. Um, I come from a background of higher education. Right. So I was a fundraiser at Gardner-Webb. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I knew you were. That's where I was going with yeah. this. So that's where this comes in. Yeah, so I found it easier to raise money there. Well, partly because my job was 100% that, that's right? True. Yes, I and so And so now raising money is... I'm back with Mary Beth. And we're talking about fundraising and the difficulty thereof of raising money. Yeah, so it is not, it's not an easy job. Um, the ways we do it here at the Scruggs Center is, for one thing, our members are really important to us. Right. Because they're the people who, they buy a membership and they get certain benefits right. with that, but a lot of them do it because they love and support what we do. I understand. So we're always looking for more members. Um, and then also we have different events like the dinner I was talking about in December with Cane Mill Road. Right. It's a wonderful event, but it's also a fundraiser. I understand. Or we do the major fundraising concert, you know, early in the year. Mm -hmm. Last year we had Ronnie Millsap and Pam right. Tillis, and we're working on one for next year. And then hopefully the Earl Scruggs Music Festival will be just an incredible way that we can not only promote the center, because we can, we're already promoting right. it nationally through right. the festival, but also raise some considerable funds to help support the operating expenses of the Scruggs Center. Um, you know, putting these new programs in place, putting in new exhibits, you know, things like that. The things that we have to do to be a relevant resource for the community. Right. So it, it is not easy to do, but we're always looking for new ways to do that and to, to raise funds to support what we do. That's good. I wondered how hard it was. I mean, it's a different, it is a totally different clientele to raise money from than, say, uh, Gardner Webb alumni. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, it is. Well, you have, with, when you're working in higher education, you have a natural list of prospects. True, meaning you do. people who graduated from there are all, all are automatically on that yeah, list. I agree. Here, I'm looking for those people or those businesses or whoever it may be in the community who are interested in music who are interested in educating young people or telling the story about the history and music of this community. So sometimes it's, it's a little more difficult to pinpoint who those prospects are. I agree are. that it would be. Yeah. It would be. So. All right, let's talk banjo a minute. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll okay. tell you what I know. All right, all right. We'll, <laughs> talk, we'll talk banjo. You realize that your life is 
will be from this point on connected to a banjo? Yes, I think I do realize that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know that's quite the thing that goes on your your headstone, but yeah. I mean, you know, it will haunt you like a ghost the you, rest of your life. You have no idea how many times I've been asked since when I introduced myself as the director of the Scruggs Center, I always get the question, do you play the banjo? Yeah, I'm sure you do. That's no, great. I don't. I wish I did, but I do not have that ability. But you do have a connection beside the Earl Scruggs Center. Yes. Your father-in-law is a banjo player. Yes, my father-in-law, David Martin, although he, he hasn't played much since I've known him. Right. But um, from what I hear and recordings I've heard, he's an yes. incredible banjo he, player. He is an incredible banjo and player. He's, he, makes, he has made sure to tell me several times that he has a banjo <laughs> that Earl played. So. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, he's uh, a great musician. Yeah, and he's a great guy, too, with a lot of fun stories. So, uh, yep, so <laughs> I've heard a few you, of them. That puts you connected to a banjo and Earl Scruggs for the rest of your life. And that, you know what, that's not a bad thing. That's I'm, not a bad thing. I'm proud thing. of it. So. It's because some of the stuff that I carry with me is not that kind. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so that's, that's good. Um, what kind of music background do you have? Well, I am not myself a musician or musically talented. Um, I'm one of those kids who took piano for seven, seven years and can't play a lick. Oh, so yeah. that's, my, that's my children too. Yeah. Mm. I'm one of those. But I was raised in a musical family. Um, my mother is a very good Southern gospel singer. Never pursued it full time professionally, right. but she certainly could have. She chose sure. to raise a family instead. Sure. And that's a lot of the, mm -hmm. that's the whole story of a lot of what I do on my podcast. There's reasons people are here. It's got nothing to do with talent. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but she is, like I said, as good as any of them out there and certainly could have it if she had chosen to do that. But um, so her, my mother and her family, they, she grew up, um, her, my grandfather was a pastor and they grew up singing at revival, singing gospel music, things like that. My grandmother is a wonderful piano player. She's got a style that's all her own. Um, my grandfather, uncle, great music, great singers. Um, and then on the other side of my dad's family, my dad is, I was a Hamrick, that's my maiden name. And so clearly, even though I didn't grow up here, I grew up, grew up in Lancaster, South Carolina. My family has local roots, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah, where are all the Hamricks? Here in Cleveland yeah, exactly. County. they are. But um, my dad also had Coles in his family and they're from Rutherford County. And the Coles are a very musical group. Um, his great uncle, D. Cole, basically started the bands in mm -hmm. Rutherford County, from what I understand. I think you understand correct. And just generations of that family are very musical. My grandfather, Hamrick, was, was musical. He wasn't, you know, in any ways a professional musician, but certainly had a, a musical ear and could play several instruments. So I do have a musical background, and so I've always really appreciated music. Like I said, not a musician myself but it's always been an important part of my life. Um, well, you have to have people, you have to have listeners. Yeah. You have to have people who love music or you, or you might as well play to the wall. You might as well stay That's home. That's right. I, mean, I remind musicians of that all the time. You should, you should. <laughs> they're, aware, they're aware of it. They yeah. may pretend like they're not, but they are aware yeah. that without them, without listeners, people who love music, people who support music via museums, via, uh, places for them to mm -hmm. play or every bit as important to them is the instrument they yeah. play well and if you think about you know all of our lives are marked by music 
you know, if you think about different points in your life, what were you listening to at that point or what mm -hmm. music was important to you at that point? You know, I feel like that's kind of the way my life has gone. It's different points in my life, different types of music have been important to me. So I kind of, you know, it makes you realize that music is such an important part of your life and, and it has always been for me. And it's multicultural. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can get people with different beliefs, different cultures, together and come you can together play, over yeah, music and yep. you can play music and everybody forgets everything yep however you know that being a musician is and i don't know so much that being a listener you know that's more of a curse than it is a blessing right <laughs> is it really it really is i mean <laughs> see i've always looked at it the other way i've always wished i had the talent i could be a musician no, or a you singer really don't that's a curse because you always want to do that for the rest of your life you become like me, pitiful old man, still trying to play music. I mean, I mean, it's just a, it's a curse. You can't get it out of your system. Well, I think it's the way you look at it. You know, and probably the way the people around me have looked at yeah. it over the years, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure it's also a, a great avenue for expressing yourself and however you're feeling it's or whatever than at the a time. Therapist, yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Um, so anyway, that's my music background. Well, um, I will tell you, you're married to a musician, so you yeah. realize. Here again, you get into heaven free. It's a, you know, it's a get out of hell free card, I guess, you know, because I'm married to a musician. Yeah, yeah. I would say in, in Jackson's case, you know, that was the first few years of us dating and being married was heavily about music and right. him playing in bands and things like that. It was much easier then. If he were still doing that now, it might be a little more difficult. Does he, does he not still DJ? Does it, He does still DJ, yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is still a musician. I mean, he's got to go mm -hmm. out and, and do that. Yeah. However, he told me he has moved it. He has upscaled his his uh, clientele yeah. a bit these days. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I don't think he has as many bars, and they're more like weddings. And yeah, like primarily weddings and like parties and things. Yeah. Like Christmas parties, things yeah. like that. But you know, we're really I'm really hoping. Yeah, I don't know. I think Jackson will push it too. I hope I'm not pushing too hard. But we do have a a little girl who's two yes, and a half, do. and. I want her to be a musician so badly. So she already has a fiddle, and oh, that's good. Um, her Christmas present is an instrument. Oh, I don't think she'll hear this, she and it'll and it. it'll and it'll ruin Christmas for. Her. But um, you know, I, I can hopefully see some talent. And there. she gets that intonation that uh, Jackson and David has on the violin. I have no. She will be <laughs> set to go because, according to Jackson. He doesn't have to ever pick that thing up, and he can, when he does, he can play it with the right intonation, which, okay, this is my bluegrass feel here. Being a fiddler, uh, a lot of people can fiddle. A lot of them cannot fiddle uh, with the proper intonation. It'll be sharp or flat, and if you listen to old bluegrass recordings before the day of auto-correct and auto-tune, you can see many of them are, are sharp and flat. Hmm. And uh, it's a, it's a really excellent talent when you have good intonation, which they both do have. Hmm. Well, that's good. So, so it'll, it may tr transfer right. Hopefully it'll, yeah. it'll be passed down to her, so we're kind of pushing her in that direction. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. It's not going to hurt her any, that's no. for sure. <laughs> well, it might in the long run, but no, no, we just, just don't let her be a songwriter. Uh, She'll be fine then. She won't tell all the stories. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I, I was worried that we'd have enough to talk about. I think we've had a lot to talk about. We have. We have. Well, I do appreciate you 
taking your time out from your very busy schedule to do this. Uh, I hope that people will know what goes on here and see the support that you give to music in Cleveland County. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about the Earl Scruggs Center and, and let people know what's happening, but also to talk about this really wonderful community of musicians is. who have come before and who are currently playing music here in Cleveland County. I'm always impressed by the talent. Um, I kind of think the music is just so natural here. It, you know, it's in the wind, it's in the trees, it's it in is. the streams, and Cleveland I County like is just a special place, a very musical it special is. place. So, glad to be a part of this community. Thank you for your time. Come out to the Earl Scruggs Center. There's way more here than what meets the eye. He will set your fields on fire. There's a coal and rain from the one that sinks to those now gone astray. Beth Martin at the, at the Earl Scruggs Center, and we're trying to put together how bluegrass, banjos, Earl Scruggs, and Bernie Taupin actually tie together. So they do. <laughs> how, how is this possible? This is, this is rock and roll royalty. Yes, it is. So Bernie is a huge fan, and I'll say a historian and scholar of American roots music. Really? Yes. Um, he has a great appreciation for the blues, for bluegrass, for old time and folk music. Really? And jazz, yes. Um, he's a rock and roll yeah. god. Yeah, so the story begins, you know, he's growing up in England, and he's growing up in an area near where American servicemen are stationed okay. after World War II. So he's introduced to country and bluegrass and these type of musics by those Americans who were in the area. Ah. And um, I think I read in one interview with him that one of his first discoveries was the Leuven Brothers. Oh, so, he's okay. turned, so he's turned on to country and western and bluegrass right. that way. Um, and just continues to explore those types of music. Um, and then when he comes to the United States, you know, completely digs in. Right. And so he said in an interview 
that I had with him out at his studio in California. Oh, we want to go into that. So you've been to yes. his studio in yes, California? Yes, I've interviewed him. Um, and he said that those types of music, American Roots music, he called it, and I say this in quotes, are the roots of my raising. Oh. And influenced him more so than any rock and roll musician ever did. So it's a really cool thing. That is really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Tell them what you have here at the Earl Scruggs Center. Yeah, so here at the Earl Scruggs Center, we have acquired a piece of art called He Will Set Your Fields on Fire. From a Flat and Scruggs song? Well, it's an old time, it's it a, is, it's it a traditional gospel bluegrass tune that's yes, been recorded is. by many artists, including Flat and Scruggs. And it appears on their Live at Carnegie Hall and their, I think it's Foggy Mountain Gospel albums. Mm -hmm. But, um, so like I said, Bernie is really influenced by that type of music and really appreciates it. And so he came across the title, He Will Set Your Fields on Fire, and decided he was going to make a piece of art. So in addition to being this internationally known, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, Agreed. he's a fabulous visual artist. Okay. And he makes these incredible 3D assemblages. Mm -hmm. I would call them a collage. I think in the art world they call them assemblages. Okay. And so he pulls together pieces like instruments, album covers, cassette tapes, songbooks, things like that. So this is a mixed media piece. It is. Piece. And so he's created this piece that he says is all about bluegrass. Okay. And in the interview that I had with him, he said that he just wanted to create a piece that included the instrumentation. So a banjo, mandolin, a fiddle. Um, he has an old bluegrass songbook that has history, lyrics, and actual music. Okay. And he uses that as the wallpaper of the piece. Okay. And then he pulls in what he says, the, the guys who invented bluegrass. So there's a cassette tape of Bill Monroe, but then in the middle of it, there's this great album of Platt and Scruggs and this Foggy Mountain Jamboree. So he said that these folks influenced him and he really wanted to recognize them for their influence on bluegrass. Now, how did you come to acquire this for <clears throat> the center? Sure, so there were um, a couple who have been members and donors to the Earl Scruggs Center since the beginning. Um, they're also art collectors. Right. And so they were at an art show in Miami and came across a Bernie Taupin exhibition right. with Chase Contemporary from New York. And they saw this piece and they saw- They saw this piece They this saw year. this piece okay. in this exhibition and said the Earl Scruggs Center has to have it. Oh, okay, so this, well, that's good to know because I didn't know that he created this specifically for here or this was already in existence. It was already in so existence. So you know that it has nothing to do with being put together to be put here. That's exactly which is, right. Which is great. I mean, that makes it better. Well, the story gets better. Uh, so they found this I not think that they, they found this piece because and it was all about bluegrass and they thought that it belonged here at the center. So they so generously donated the money for us to purchase it. So we acquired it in early January of 2019 and it arrived to us shipped from New York City in late January of 2019 and it was damaged. What? It had been damaged in shipping. Like the banjo was falling off. Did it come through the post office? No, it did not. Thank gosh. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> um, and so we immediately contacted the art dealer in right. New York and said, what do we do about this? Do we get a conservator to take care of this? And the solution was to send it back to Bernie. So we shipped it back to Bernie's studio in California and he repaired it at that time knowing that it was coming to the Earl Scruggs Center. Ah. So that opened up the opportunity for me to fly out there and interview him. We had a 30-something 
minute long interview where we talked about the piece, we talked about the influence of bluegrass on him, and we and from that interview footage we created a five minute short film that is now down in the exhibit along with the piece. So, you know, what was a bad situation or what seemed like felt like a really bad situation has just turned in to a really yeah. amazing thing. So not only could we interview Bernie and he and he fixed the piece knowing that it was coming to the Scrug Center, which he said was very meaningful to him. I'm sure it is. Um, but then we also had an opportunity for him to come visit the Scrug Center. Okay. Later, earlier right. this week. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back. Did he pick you up at the airport? Uh, no. <laughs> no, he didn't. Okay. <laughs> I, I drove to his studio. Okay. okay. All right. I, I was just curious. Is, and, and where is that located at? Just in so north of Santa Barbara, okay. California. Okay. Yeah. And so he has a ranch in, you know, north of Santa Barbara. He loves the American West. Um, and you can see that through his album, Tumbleweed Connection, and some yeah. of his other right. other lyrics that he's written. And um, he was just, he, he just really opened his doors and was so, he, he just showed us so much hospitality and he was so kind and so gracious with his time. Um, you could tell that he really enjoyed talking about this type of music, that he loves it. And then his artwork is yeah. incredibly important. Did, to him. Have, did, did you see more of his artwork? I did see a few pieces yeah. in his studio. Um, That's too cool. It, it is. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, really, when I think back, the experience itself is totally surreal. Yeah. I can't believe it actually happened. I can see, I can see that, yes. Yeah, but it was just wonderful. And it just is a great example of how small the world of music is. And then, honestly, how warm and open it is. That is warm and open. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you get him to Shelby? Okay, so we started that conversation um, back when I was in California. Right. I started talking with his manager and, and talking with Bernie himself. We'd love for you to come see the artwork. And he said that. He said, I'd love to see it once you have it installed. Um, but this past weekend in Atlanta, there was an art exhibition opening of his artwork ah, in Atlanta. Right. And so instead of flying out from Atlanta on, on Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, um, he agreed to drive to Shelby. He drove to Shelby? Yeah, he and his manager drove from Atlanta to Shelby to come take a private tour of the Scrug Center and see his art installation. And then they flew out of Charlotte the next morning. So people think he came for the Elton John concert. That was pretty coincidental. That, that just, he was in oh, town really? at the same time. So that just happened to roll between the, th the three, the yes. exhibit here and there. Mm -hmm. That's and, exactly right. So and did you go to the concert? I did go to the concert. It was great. Um, Bernie and his manager, really his manager, um, you know, arranged for tickets. And right. it was a fabulous show. And it was great to hear how often Elton mentioned Bernie. You can tell, you know, and, and having met Bernie and um, having read some interviews and spending time with him, it, the music itself was much more meaningful. No, I'm sure. Yeah, that it, it was, was an incredible yeah. show. That's good. Did you meet Elton John? I did not. Okay. Well, uh, I was really close. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you were close enough to see him, actually. Yeah, very close. Okay. Oh, that's good then. So, but it was a great show. That's that's really wonderful. Now, uh, how long was he here in town when you? Okay, so Bernie arrived in town about 12.30 p.m. Wait, did you take him to eat barbecue? <laughs> no, I took him to Nefin, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. That, that's probably a better... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I gave him some choices where he wanted to eat, and he wanted to... We went to Nefin. And um, <clears throat> so we had lunch there, and it was it was great because he parked here on the court square, he and his manager, <laughs> and they, we met and we walked around town, and you know, no one gave oh, him a second look, yeah, you know? Sure. He's not flashy at all. Um, so we sat down and ate in Nefin and 
It was great. It was kind of different than the time that I took Marty Stewart to Neat Finn. That's because <laughs> Marty is always in the role, you know. You know, yeah, I mean, people recognized Marty yeah. and came up and wanted to take pictures, but Bernie was just, just so normal. And um, it was great. And then we came back to the Scruggs Center and we did a tour of our um, exhibits. Right. And I did it in the same order that any normal visitor would. Right. I didn't take him to see his artwork first. Right, first. So his artwork is in the third gallery called The Turning Road. And if you go through our exhibits chronologically, it's the last one. Oh, that's, that's neat. And so yeah, we started him in the Welcome Film. Right. And then we went around chronologically. And then so he was really digging into the exhibits, especially the Common Threads table. Yeah, he loved brilliant. it. Yeah. He was reading everything. He was listening to everything. Um, as much or more so than the normal visitor does. Right. You know, you can always tell when someone who is involved in the music world comes to the Scruggs Center because they have a great appreciation for what we have here. And, um, or a different kind of appreciation right. for what we have here. And um, he loved it and was thoroughly impressed with our exhibits. And then I brought him into the Turning Road, which is the gallery that starts out with the information about the Earl Scruggs Review and then moves all around where you see the album covers and the Grammys. And then he comes around the corner and he sees his artwork. And he was blown away. Like, I don't want to speak for Bernie, but just, you could just kind of see the emotion on his face and how much he really appreciated seeing his artwork in his quote, you know, in a home to the home of the legacy of, it's at home in the home of the legacy of Earl Scruggs. That's just, and I, I think that was meaningful for him. Yeah, um, and of course it was rewarding. You know, we put a lot of work into right. putting, to getting this exhibit done and installed and for him to appreciate it so much. Um, it was really meaningful, so it was great. That, that's pretty fabulous. Yeah, and then um, we brought him upstairs after we saw the, after he saw the exhibit and we showed the film, right. which he really loved. Yeah. In fact, his comment was, that is pretty sweet, <laughs> of the five minute film that we right. created from the interview. And then um, Darren and Brooke Aldridge actually performed the title song, He Will Set Your yeah. Fields on Fire, oh, that's, which oh, was that's so pretty, neat, yeah, that's you know? really neat. Yeah, I mean, I know he, I, I knew that he knew the tune because clearly right. he's well-versed in the music yeah. and he pulled the title from right. something that he knew, but I thought it was kind of neat to have some local yeah. musicians I think that's great. perform the title song sure. for him. And so it was just a really special day, and I think that he felt like we were authentic and genuine yeah. and, and really loved what we have here at the Scruggs Center. That's just a great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right, on a different note. Okay. What do people tell you about Earl? Different things. Do you hear stuff like, uh, he didn't really invent the three finger roll and stuff like that? Oh, so we get questions. I wouldn't say all the time, but you know, comments like that. And every once in a while we'll get an email that someone will say, well, my grandfather played three finger style and that was before Earl and you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, our response is, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Earl invented the three finger right. style. You know, he's like any other musician that is a product of, you know, the musicians who are around him influencing him mm -hmm. and then his own innovation. Right. And so while he didn't, invent the three-finger style there are other musicians particularly in this part of the state of North Carolina who are playing that um, he definitely perfected it he definitely perfected it <laughs> and no, then he no, popularized he it did. in a way that no other musician did I agree. and and there are some things and I'm not a banjo player myself and and not very well versed in that but what I've heard is that you know he had roles that were very 
specific to him mm-hmm. um, that other musicians weren't playing True. at he, the time. He, yeah, I agree. And so he, he kind of took it to a new level and really continued to innovate and perfect that style of banjo playing. So, yeah, we get questions like that. And, um, in fact, I had someone who was related to Smith Hammett, yeah. you know, email one time and make that comment. And I encouraged him, come on down to the Scruggs Center. There's a, a part in our exhibits down there where we talk about some of the influences right. on Earl, like Charlie Poole. Yeah. And he even mentioned Smith Hammett. Yeah. And there are some others. Um, so they can see that, yes, your grandfather or great-grandfather or whatever it was, um, really did have an influence on Earl's music. And so, you know, I think Earl, you know, he was willing to talk about who those sure. influences were and, and give credit to other people for, you know, how they influenced him, as well as um, he was always... I've heard tons of stories about how he was always very open to mentoring younger musicians. That's always a good thing. Too. In, in fact, there was someone at a picking on the square in August. A man, and I, I can't remember exactly where he lives. I think he lives in Washington State, maybe. Okay. But he said when he was a kid, he wrote a letter to Earl Scruggs oh, and really? said, I want to learn how to play banjo from you. And Earl invited him to his home in Nashville. And now this person is a family friend of the oh, Scruggs family because Earl was so open. And then I've heard stories from Marty Stewart has right. said the same thing. You know, Bela Fleck has said that. I've heard him say that. Right. Um, Jerry Douglas sure. heard him say that. So there are all these musicians who talk about, you know, the incredible influence that Earl was on them and how he was always so willing to tell them what he knew and right. say, here's how I do it. You know, right. take it and run with it. So, um, you know, I always hear he's a pretty incredible person. Well, you know, it's uh, people that are really secure at what they do and know what they're doing is, is pretty top level. Showing people stuff is in no way damaging their, their abilities whatsoever. I mean, yeah. basically it's, this is how you do it. You won't be able to do it this good, but this is how you do it. You <laughs> know? I, mean, I mean, Well, I've heard stories. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember who told me this story. But someone told me that backstage at the Ryman one time, a young musician came up to Earl and said, show me how you do this role. And this is when he was playing with the Bluegrass Boys. So this is early on. So you're talking about like 1946, maybe 1947. And so Bill Monroe overhears it. This young musician asking Earl, who's still young, like 22 years old, um, how do you play it that way? And Bill told Earl, don't show him how to do that. He's going to steal your style and upstage you. And Earl said, why wouldn't I want other people to know? what I'm doing, you well, know? That's probably Let's encourage reason, other musicians. Well, that's probably the reason it became so popular. You know, uh, emulation is a great form of flattery, and yeah. that's how things evolve. I mean... That's right. You know, and then you take someone like, for example, Bela Fleck, yeah, Bela. who heard um, Earl and the Beverly Hillbillies. Sure. And that's what turned him on to bluegrass and to the banjo music. And then he took it, and he's done something totally, totally different totally with different. it, you know, yeah. writing banjo concertos. Sure. So, I mean, in playing with symphonies. Yeah. So, you know, it's always about taking it and, and making something different mm-hmm. out of it and putting your own artistic touch to it. And that's what makes someone a artist, a musician, you know, the creativity right. to do that. Good. Well, I just wish I had those talents. <laughs> everyone wish they had those talents. I mean, I mean, you can have a pretty talented person, but they'd probably like to have that talent. Yeah. I mean, that's a one, one of a one-in-a-lifetime probably type yeah. talent. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, that's that's really good. Um, so we have a festival. We're going to go over that one more time. Okay. In honor of Earl Scruggs. Uh, Earl Scruggs. Yes, we have the Earl Scruggs Music Festival. It's coming up next year in 2020, September 4th and 5th. 
So that's the Friday and Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Um, and our hope is, you know, it'll be very successful and that it'll grow and it'll span all of Labor Day weekend one day. But this year it'll be the 4th and 5th of September and it's at the Trine International Equestrian Center. Sure, very nice venue. Yes, and we've announced some acts so far. We still have more to announce, so oh, good. stay tuned. But um, what's really cool is that one of the first phone calls we made was to Jerry Douglas because he was very close to Earl and has talked about the influence. I mentioned right. this earlier, how Earl influenced him. And would he be willing, and of course with playing with the Earls of Leicester, you know, right. they emulate Flash yes. and Scruggs, yeah, they do. play that music and, and do such a great job. Um, ask Jerry if he would be our festival host. And I put oh, that yeah. in quotes, like, yeah. you know, to pop up and collaborate with mm -hmm. people and, and kind of just be there through the entire week. And he immediately agreed. That's great. Which is great, you know, to have a musician of that caliber who wants to come and be a part of what we're doing is, I, I think it says I a lot. So, so that, that was huge. Good. That was really huge. <laughs> yeah. That was really huge. Yeah, so we're excited about it. I'm sure that you are. I mean, I, I think everyone's excited about it that, that, that lives here in Cleveland County. Yeah. Or should be. Yeah, and, and hopefully, you know, they'll come out to it. And it's also really cool that we're collaborating with WNCW. Yeah, that helps. You know, they're a fabulous radio station. They and are. They do so much to promote this kind of music. They do. Americana, local musicians, um, they're fabulous. So, so they're, they're a great... They are fabulous. They're a great partner to have. As a musician, you're kind of dependent on people like that uh, mm -hmm. to get your music out there. Yeah. Because actually, there's not a lot of radio anymore. And not, a, and not a lot of radio that plays what they play. No, very few. Yeah, so sure. they're, they're known for, for their promotion of, sure. of Americana, American Roots music. And, and so they're a fabulous partner for us. That's good. Yeah. I do appreciate you taking time to do this. You're a lot, you're a lot of fun to interview. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. All right. All right. <laughs>